0: This is Radio Land, huh? The
1: Infinite Turtle, the the waves through the Ether Fuzz roll on forever.
2: (laughs) This is Death by DB. And you are listening to Harry Scott Sullivan, your host. And on this episode, we've got a real treat for ya. It's a Patreon-exclusive episode. We're bringing summer back full blast with this hot summer break-exclusive episode. Recorded originally as a Patreon-only episode, we present to you in its uncut glory. Surf Nazis must die. Stick around after the episode to learn more about Death by DVD's Patreon and a special limited time offer. And now, enjoy the show.
3: to a death by Patreon death by DVD exclusive summer break episode.
2: This is Death by DVD's Summer Break. You are listening to Harry Scott Sullivan, and you won't believe who we've got. He's the Fuhrer of the New Beach. It's Adolf Alexander Nash.
1: Yeah, I object (laughs) fully to that intro. (laughs) Absolutely fully, because that's some bullshit. Don't like in the political climate we're in today. We don't (laughs) just joke about people being Nazis unless they're Nazis. So kindly retract that statement Uh, okay okay
2: okay that was that was the test intro um a a, a real and i guess calling you mengla wouldn't be any better maybe you could tell i don't know the, the the if at this point you can't figure out what movie we're doing i'm sorry we're doing surf nazis must die it's summer break i will say on behalf of death by dvd i alexander nash isn't a real nazi he just played one on daytime tv in the late 1980s
1: was that on Passions? What are you talking about? I don't know. I I realized as I was telling the story, I didn't have an end for it. I didn't know where to go. Yeah, me it. and the little person. We hung out in craft services, had Manny's sandwiches.
2: Oh man,
1: yeah. uh Warwick Davis. Warwick. No, Davis. not no. Warwick Davis. What are you talking about? I don't. You know, know. nothing about daytime soaps of the nineties, my friend.
2: No, I I. Absolutely do not, but I know a little bit about Troma. And this movie really has nothing to do with Troma because it's an acquisition and it's what Lloyd and Michael Harris do best. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. Hey, you got to finish the film? We're buying it. Here is a brief story of how Troma works they buy other people's movies and then they release them. And that's Troma. 48 years of this, and God bless them. I fucking. I'll start things off with anything I say about Lloyd Kaufman it comes exactly from the heart and with pure love and honesty. uh, He's one of the biggest bastards on the planet, and I love him. I feel like he's a family member. I've never met him, but I I absolutely love Lloyd Kaufman, uh, and he is a terribly politically incorrect person, and I love him for that, too. A lot of people have huge problems with him making AIDS jokes on the last drive-in, but as long as Lloyd Kaufman is alive, he's gonna make AIDS jokes. You're just gonna have to deal with it. It's not like he's Jim Van Beber, who says
1: a lot worse stuff. Yeah, leave it there. Leave it there. You shall not invoke thy name. Yeah. So trauma. They've always like well, they didn't really start the company by selling movies. I mean, a little bit here and there. They but they were mostly their own productions. But in the early '80s, around the time of Toxic Avenger, they really started to get into get into purchasing other films and surf Nazis, one of those films, which the original title of the film was just surf Nazis, but you know, trauma, they've got to jazz up those titles as well as make it sound not horribly full of hate. So he wanted to just signal absolutely the Nazis are not the protagonists in this film. They must die. And that has to do with international sales and a bunch of different things. But at the end of the day the original title was surf nazis which the director actually came up with the idea because he saw it like being graffitied around los angeles um in the 80s but the actual term meant like protecting your turf your beach so like this is the beach that my crew surfs on and those people were assholes, so people would call them surf Nazis because you're being a Nazi but you're beach man.
2: Yeah, it was just a colloquial term for people that you know, kicked locals off the beach, wouldn't let randos come and surf. They were very militaristic with, this is my beach, my rules. And also, too, a lot of surfing culture, especially in the 60s and 70s, predating the punk rock movement and the punk rock uh, movement kind of using swastikas and iron crosses. Surfers used a lot of World War II medallions and iron crosses to make what is called the surfer's cross and there would be you know from a surfing trophy or something added over the swastika and it it became a huge part of the culture and then the term surf nazis sort of developed more into the 70s going into the 80s and it 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 it, it's hard now because you use that term so constantly in the media you hear it all the time and you have an idea of what it means but it was much Less serious when it was pertaining to surfers, so the movie kind of coming from this joking term is even funnier in the long run because it. it you, if
1: you lived, we well, like, took it literally. Yeah, he just took the idea literally and ran with it, of and it like worked. a group of surfers who are also white supremacist Nazis. And what I love about this film because it is one of my favorite trauma films of all time. Um, it's just really tightly made. And it knows what it is. It gets in and gets out. It makes no bones about what they're trying to do. And there's humor in it, but I'm glad they didn't go for the obvious humor jokes and tried to make this kind of serious um, gangland style um, movie about surfers, about it com- like competing gangs. And as much as I love this film, I can admit it does have some flaws because when you bring in the character of Leroy's mama, um, which she's like peppered throughout the film. Um, But that's like my only one gripe about how the the story is structured is just, it seems to not like the end is very loaded with the character of mama and she's barely in the rest of the movie. Just, you know, a, a five minute scene here and there. And, but it just it focuses so heavily on those gangland politics about the the you know the the inner battling gangs that it, the story's main protagonist is kind of left out overall. So that's the only gripe, but altogether it's just such an enjoyable film experience. Um and it's very much like heavy with character. And just interesting—I don't know—scenes that really don't like. They don't matter. There's no plot to the film. I mean, Leroy's mom is the plot, and the rest of it is just like business. It's just stuff for the actors to do. It's just layering character upon layer upon layer upon layer. So I just wish people made films like this now, to where it's just very much about creating an, uh, like an atmosphere.
0: to the entire california coastline from out of the rubble will rise a menace far more terrifying than the death and destruction surf nazis who rules the beaches who rules the surfers The beautiful beaches, once the crown jewels of California, are now ruled by ruthless gangs. Only one person is powerful enough, daring enough, brave enough to stop them. Only one person can ensure that surf Nazis must die. She's tough. I wanna buy a gun. Keep talking like trash. But I'm more interested in something that'll take the head off a honky
3: at 20 paces.
0: She's dangerous. She's all woman. She's Leroy's mama. And as long as she's alive, the surf Nazis must die. First, there was the road warrior. Then there was the Terminator. Now comes an action film of relentless excitement. Take some of mama's <laughs> home cooking, Ada. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, See the film that is creating a tidal wave of action all over the world. See, Surf Nazis Must Die.
2: It's weird to say, but Surf Nazis Must Die is an incredibly well-nuanced film, and it has always been, you know, it's, it's hard, and we've brought it up on the show. I don't think I can talk about what my favorite movie of all time is because it constantly changes, and, and I'm fluctuating as a person. But like a top ten list, Surf Nazis will always, always be on it, and I was watching it last night and was was really taken aback by how poignant it is, especially for our our time. And there's a quote toward the beginning of the movie that pretty much sums up where we're living in now, is that a group of fucking assholes have, have begun living off of people's fear. And they're using that fear to express their weak ideology, and that it it makes so much more sense now. And it's not like the movie never made sense, but it it's something that... I think is drastically underlooked that you, especially looking at Troma, the the acknowledgement of, of the wacky ways of Lloyd Kaufman and a title of a movie being Surf Nazis Must Die, of course this movie isn't going to age well. Nope, I think it has aged like fucking
1: fine wine. It's aged better. It's better now than it was back then. And it's great. As you were kind of bringing up a little bit earlier, it does really show the characters for who they are because, I mean, it's briefly, but like, Smeg with his mom, and she brings up was it Ricky Johnson, who is Adolf's real name? Is like Ricky. I think it's Ricky Johnson, but like, how small they actually are. How much like yes, the the stakes are deadly serious, and they're creating all kinds of violence. But at the end of it all, they are just really misled and stupid kids who are trying to be like, you know, trying to be the alpha, trying to be this like a beast among men, and. They're really just like
2: shitty punk kids. Well, even aside from being shitty punk kids, what I really like about Smeg and his mom is it kind of shows these these fascists, the, the neo-wave of Nazis taking over the beaches are just Malibu middle-class fucking preppy rich kids. They're not street survivors because you also have this whole thing running throughout the movie that there's been a devastating earthquake and we're kind of in the future so it's a little escape from new york escape from la ish but still yeah and the budget kind of betrays that idea <laughs> yeah. a little
1: bit I, I would like that's a little bit of a gripe of just well i mean they didn't have the money to to show those things but it's just kind of mentioned but it all kind of looks like you know, 1986 Los Angeles and <laughs> Huntington Beach. It doesn't like look like it's a post-apocalyptic world, but it's hinted at, especially through the radio.
2: There are some cool set pieces, though. I, I really enjoy in all the backgrounds this, these giant metal swastikas, even though most of them are facing the wrong direction. They're spray painted everywhere. There's just this, it's so cheap and phony, but there's just something utterly shocking about these kids in wetsuits uh, adorned with swastikas and the violent image itself in the movie is almost, um, and it's, I don't want to say sexy, but it's just so enticing that it, it's so vulgar and so ugly, and you're just watching this chaos flow, and like you brought up, it's, it's not really plot-centric. There isn't a heavy following and flow of the plot. You have an understanding, and you just get thrown into the mix of it. There's not really an avatar that you're following. You're, you'd, you'd like to follow Mama Washington, but you don't really get as you said, much till the end until we really conclude her journey. But it's it's so chaotic. It's it's fun. I mean, it's almost like being in a pit, like a mosh pit at a punk show that there is this violent sensation while watching this movie. And I I love, as I said, there's a lot of nuances in it. And, and what we were discussing before I got a little off subject, Smeg and his mom, this Malibu rich kid, Ricky is is Adolf. They've renamed themselves Mengla. They all have these terrible names and identities and they go home to mini mansions in East Malibu. You know, they live in great homes in Burbank and stuff like that. That it, it's it's more political than I ever as a teenager. I mean, this was the uh, party movie, man. You got a bunch of friends together, you smoked some pie, you drank some. Oh beers. yeah, I
1: saw it many a sleepover.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think every time I watch Surf Nazis Must Die, it's probably loaded. Listening to punk rock, hanging out with friends, we'd been skating all day or something like that, and assessing it and watching it as a as a grown up, as a film critic, an esteemed film judge. It's fucking more invocative we were kind of talking about some stuff like this before we started the show but it's more invocative than most modern indie films are now on i wouldn't even call it a shoestring budget when when you evaluate and watch the movie most character interactions probably weren't even shot together that it's (laughs) there's a scene where mengla is talking to some kids those probably weren't even shot in the same fucking county in the same month in the same week (laughs) you know it's it's crazy but it's ingenuity and it pieces together into kind of just a marvelous piece of exploitation and on the the main show we've been covering a lot of video nasties lately and we we did a, a handful of nazi exploitation films and what's great about a movie like "Surf Nazis Must Die" is it's actually exploiting the the neo-Nazi movement, this idiocracy, this just pure stupidity. That somehow, even though the United States fought the Nazis uh, with the Allied powers in World War II, we've let this this virus, this cancer, creep into our society. And this movie exploits the absolute dunderhead fucking idiots that these people are. And I love it for that. It's it's so totally different. You could call it a Nazi exploitation film if you want to, but most Nazi exploitation films are exploiting the Jews, sex, awful, awful atrocities as to where this movie really puts it in your face that these people are just idiots.
1: Well, they're idiots, but it also doesn't like um, downplay the utter seriousness of their their violence that they are like fucking dunderheads. There are goddamn morons, but they're still fucking dangerous. and that's like sad that this angry fucking kid is like one of the biggest dangers in the world today is just this angry kid doing stupid shit because they want to be tough.
2: Well, I mean, look at they we say the The Simpsons show things that happened in real life, but what what was the whole? Crazy satanic pizza parlor. Hillary Clinton's eating all these people and children, and it turned out to be some 14 year old from New Jersey that started the whole fucking thing. That it was just some kid with a fucking internet connection that started this trend that still won't fucking die of misinformation. Uh, it, it's the same thing.
1: Oh, most definitely. And it's just, again, like just saying how kind of poignant the film is at this time in history and uh, it's, it's weird to say about like such a like kind of off the kilter exploitation film from the mid 80s but i'd say its biggest strengths um are i think editing for one and we'll get into some of that here in a little bit but the costume design and you can tell again budgetary problems like so it's a lot of like spray painted wetsuits and things like that but um, the characters are all very different. Like the, the, uh, the surf Nazis specifically. And I will talk about, this is kind of a weird segue, but um, the uh, cartoonist is Matt Groening. When he is designing characters, the, what he says is um, every character like that. You draw should have a very distinguishable silhouette. You should be able to identify every single character just by their silhouette. And if you look at any of the Simpsons, Futurama, any of Matt Groening stuff, like Everybody, if it's just a black shape, you can figure out what that character is. And the same thing goes for surf Nazis, because all of them have a very distinctive look. You could identify them by their silhouette. Um, you know, maybe the like the Clockwork Orange homage isn't like like the, the, the most original idea, but I mean it works in this context. Um, Mingla's look with his uh, his coat, Adolf wearing that long black um, leather trench coat. Uh, it's just they were able to create characters really well on not much money of just using costuming um to really kind of give them their own personalities toward the like the character of Brutus barely says anything, but that kind of becomes his thing. He's the quiet one. And you when he talks, you actually listen. But you know him as the guy who never wears a shirt and is like wearing the suspenders and is carrying the spear gun. And that's costuming. And it really lends itself well to this film of just putting in the effort to um, give everything its own like look, its own feel, its own vibe. And you have the other gangs that like, you can barely differentiate them because, again, just spray-painted wetsuits. Um, but who's your favorite character? Because mine is Zach Galifianakis, the oh. uh, the guy with the beard and the uh, the... Was it the pipeliners? Who's just oh god, he does look like fully him. committed to the role. You can't handle the power. Like he is overacting the shit out of it, and I love him for it.
2: Ironically, I brought up Jim Van Beber at the beginning of the show, but I always felt that Brutus looked exactly like a young Jim Van Beber, right around the time of Deadbeat at Dawn. I always
1: thought he looked like a Ted Pryor from like a was it a Deadly was it Deadly Game. The uh, you know sledgehammer. Oh yeah, the, that yeah. Guy, the muscle guy.
2: Yeah, there is definitely some similarities. That's also a good companion piece for this film, Deadbeat at Dawn. Um, I don't know. I enjoy Mangla. I enjoy his. He he's such a, a
1: creepy and and Fly he... Flyswatter playing the character. I don't remember the actual um, ca- uh, the the man's real name. I just know him by his uh, punk stage name, Fly Flyswatter. He also wrote Blood Diner. Funnily enough, that's some trivia for you. Isn't it Michael? I think his name is Michael. Michael is like Michael Henneke or something like that. Michael,
2: um, let's go to let's go to Wikipedia. I just know him as Dookie Flyswatter from Hot Garage. Yeah, it's it's Michael Soneier. Apparently, Son-Yay. is his last name. I I feel Fly Flyswatter is the official real name for me. Yeah, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Um, he's also in Sorority Babes, the, Nightmare Sisters, uh, Slimeball rama Sorority Babes. Great film. I oh, love. He Dookie does Flyswatter. the voice of the imp. Yeah, he's one of my favorite
1: eighties character actors, but Mengla is just uh, the ultimate creepy well, character. Well all these people, uh sorry I cut you off there, but all these That's people good. are all like deeply versed in that LA scene of the time, like Fred Olen White Wy- or Fred and Ray's ex-wife plays Eva. Um, a couple they were all in like Fred Olen Ray movies. They were all in um occasionally some Roger Corman, movies, Jim Winorski stuff. Like they were all part of that crew. Um, which is kind of interesting that they like all turn up in this one as well.
2: Yeah, Mengla just has some of the creepy, better dialogue. But I, as you were bringing up with the the characters and all of them kind of having a trademark, I love his earrings. He has he he probably has the most dialogue with Brutus. They have a back and forth, and most of it's very witty. Most of the dialogue, despite again being from a movie called "Surf Nazis Must Die," especially between the Nazis and Adolf, it's so cheesy, it's so stupid, but all of
1: it absolutely works. And, like, that doesn't even really go to say how, like, kind of well the movie is shot. I mean, the surf footage is surf footage. Um, it, like, the, the surfing doubles are not the best. But the rest of the film has some really terrific photography. And like, uh, the scene where Leroy's about to be killed, um, how he, like, dips Adolf over and you see the Nazis walk up in I the sunglasses. That was all scene. done in one shot. It wasn't like you know it wasn't cut it was just like right there in camera it's kind of a really good shot the uh the silhouette when Mingla and Adolf are um arguing in like the the bunker area where it's just like from way far away uh mic'd up close and all in silhouette like that's really good photography like just some interesting scenes using the weird king crimson um Graffiti that's on the wall, like just some really kind of dynamic shots for such a cheap exploitation film. I think the Leroy death scene is
2: is probably the greatest in the entire film, and it's just intricate. It it shoots, and you don't maybe you don't pick up on it until the scene is maybe midway through and you realize that his mother's at his funeral and that he's never going to walk through the door again. And it's so organic. It's just a really rich... It's that editing, man. The editing is great. I hate using the word again, but it's it's richly nuanced and it plays so well for a movie that you're going to assume is going to be particularly violent. And yes, there is violence toward the end of the movie, but in this, this is maybe one of the most articulate, beautiful displays of violence that you could even name out of like... I'll, I'll be ballsy here, but there's nothing quite as intricate as even in, like, an Argento film. You're usually given very drastic, almost misogynistic, beautiful violence. It's always shot decadently and beautifully, but it's violent. It, there's always a display of the graphic nature, and that you get an actual impact of emotion and a gut punch with what happens to Leroy without any violence, no blood, nothing being shown. Just very clever editing that works drastically for the advantage of this movie because you're gonna judge it the whole fucking time because of its content, subject matter, and the name of the movie, and then it uses all of that against you, I think. I think by the end of the film you're like, well, goddamn surf Nazis must die. That's and it's it's I think too being a trauma film, you're gonna judge it on on Oh, it's a trauma movie. I I know what that is. I saw The Last Drive and I saw Trauma's War. And sure, that's the epitome of Lloyd Kaufman.
1: But again, this is an acquisition. And bringing up the the violence, it, the way they use violence, and it's and some of this again is the fact. that It's a cheap film, but like the fighting, the gang fighting uh, is it's sloppy. It's I mean, it's probably due to some you know not great choreography. But at the it's same time, goofy. it looks like. Real fighting, because real fighting is sloppy. It's not artfully done. It's just, but it's filmed with this voyeuristic, because um, we don't go in close up to most of the violence. It's all shot in like super wide shots a lot of the time. And um like uh, mostly off screen too. You don't really see like a uh, knife entering flesh other than um the decapitation at the end. And Adolf getting his brains blown out—it's it, not particularly bloody. It's um, most of it's just like implied violence.
2: I mean, especially when there's an Asian gang and there's this huge fight going on the beach, and there's there's a lot of characters that are all killed right in a row. And I don't—I think the most blood is maybe a little bit coming out of the lip. It's—it's it's really implied violence. The,
1: uh, there's a throat-slitting gag there with the uh, samurai surfers. Yeah, there's there's that. But it's like a, it's it's a it's
2: a throat-slitting sit- gag that you would have done in high school, that they they cut the throat and it looks like red lipstick and a little ketchup drops from it. It's nothing, it's no Tom Savini, you know?
1: It's not street
2: trash or anything. Which, again, is kind of like a companion piece. Street trash is a great movie to bring up in a situation like this. And it's funny, I started the show making fun of fucking Jim, which I have no fear. <laughs> I, w- I will do it, and I have reasoning for doing it, and I'll die making fun of Jim Van Beber. But deadbeat at dawn, Regardless of uh of of let's do what's that whole thing let's separate the artist from the art. Now, regardless of Jim Van Beber and anything you can say about the man, Deadbeat at Dawn is a, is a pretty spectacular film, and and as well as Street Trash, a good companion to something like this. And you're bringing up the fight scenes. One thing that, no matter how lame you could consider Deadbeat at Dawn to be at times, the fights have and the fucking nunchuck choreography, it all has a very I don't know. I mean, it's it it it. You can it's shot on like Vermisil- super.
1: Was it vermicillitude? I can't say that word ever. <laughs> military, <Vermisilitude. laughs> Yeah,
2: I mean, there's there's something cheesy and um, almost uh, triggering of like a memory. It makes you think of the '80s and '90s. But there was so much ingenuity and effort put into it, and the the the, the choreography, I guess, if you want to call it that really manages, again, to complement the movie. And when you're looking at something like Deadbeat at Dawn, when you're looking at something... I mean, even... I was going to sp- try and compare these two movies, but Deadbeat at Dawn's on a much lower level than Surf Nazis, specifically because Surf Nazis got the big trauma release. Deadbeat really didn't get a lot of championing, a- aside from Chaz Balin. The great Chaz Balon spoke very, very highly of this film. <laughs> it's one of the biggest reasons anybody saw Deadbeat, is because Chaz said, should watch this fucking movie. But it, it, it's all kind of the same... Uh, Hyper violent world, but the violence just isn't really there. It's it's in your head, and you think, oh man, there's so much gore, there's so much in this movie, and when it, there's not, it's more implication than anything else.
1: It's and probably some of that's budgetary, but it really doesn't matter because it's immediate and it's in your face, and they're not really like it may not be graphic, but they're not shying away from like the violence that's created. And the surf Nazis are creating violence on a daily basis. And there's certainly like stream of consciousness to the film. And like you do have the, the gang warfare stuff and that's peppered in as much as mama, but most of it is just following the surf Nazis around and watching them create carnage and fear and like a, on, like what six locations not many locations in the film the beach a house a retirement home the pawn shop um several alleys you know they really i think i
2: think the alleyway locations are probably the most extravagant and they've got that bunker location somewhere on Venice bunker. Beach i think the end of the film is probably the the crescendo of violence once once mama gets her gun and we meet up with the very sympathetic head shop owner, and what, what a weird head shop. They've got all these glass bongs, they've got all, all sorts of smoking needs, but he also has guns. And you can just walk up and ask him for it, apparently. It's, it's um... It was 1986. Yeah, it's, it's I was gonna say, it's a much more laid-back, mystical universe, because you gotta keep in mind that some world altering earthquake has happened and that's why these surf gangs are taking over the beaches. It's all set in very, very uh satirical, ridiculous nature, but it it it's it's fucking a paradox over how good this movie is. It's it's almost unnecessarily good. And really looking at the catalog of trauma forty-eight years of movies. They've been releasing movies for 48 years. It may might be the best one <laughs>
1: Maybe ten that I would like to personally own. Yeah. and a, Oof, there's some rough stuff out on Droma. The ones that people haven't really heard of. I mean, there's some there's some decent ones in that catalog, but there's some crazy shit that is probably not available on. Like, uh, was it Angel Negro? Ooh, that was not good. <laughs> oh, uh, the the, the was it the poor humongous or something? That's some backyard shit. I can never remember the name of that movie. It's got five fucking words in the title. I, I, I will admit I've never uh, gotten the Troma
2: streaming channel, but I'm not sure if it's still there anymore, but I think I'm on a, a documentary called Troma. I know I'm in the documentary. I don't know if it's streaming on Troma now, but there's a documentary called Troma Fanatics, and I'm like the, the first fucking scene of that movie um, doing massive lines of coke off of a mirror with a nude picture of James Gunn. Adorning My Wall. Uh, great film if you can find it. Troma Fanatics. Fun stuff. I'm just plugging myself at this point. <laughs> I've never seen the documentary either. I the, it, the, it was made and then I was told it's on Troma now. And I didn't want to pay the like 82 cents that Lloyd <laughs> is asking for, for that streaming. Which he, I'm sure he'd relate to. That dude would not give a money to the homeless. A money to the what the fuck. I mean I gotta even stop the statement before I say it because I'm speaking like a fucking <laughs> six year old. He wouldn't give <laughs> a money to the homeless. Who might what?
1: It's a, kind of amazing how trauma has been able to stay on top of the business for as long as they have. Because it really is. It, well, it's not just like because in the beginning it was sex comedies, and then they started getting into like their kind of more horror comedy era and stuff. And they had some big problems, I'd say, in the late eighties through the early nineties of just buying shit, having nothing to release, like giving it a salacious title and a, a good poster and just putting out a lot of like garbage, like video demons do psychotown. That's just the, the most boring movie. And then they like retile it something interesting. Um, but they really made a comeback in 96 with, um, Tromeo and Juliet and road kind of the, like the punk rock wave. And they're still kind of on that punk rock wave. Um, today of just being like you know the outlandish film company. and they're still able to, you know, I mean, they have a streaming service for God's sake. So they're still in business. They're still doing things. and people are still wanting their product. But we're way off surf Nazis again
2: and it's it's still all sort of in the same realm uh, of existence. I mean, it's, it's kind of... Lloyd Kaufman's just kind of a magical, strange creature. Uh, you can even find him in the very first Rocky movie. He has been all over Hollywood history and then has, has made his own history. And no matter how outrageous Lloyd can be, no matter how uh, politically incorrect he could be, I do firmly believe he's always been on the right side of history. He's always fought... For the small guy, you can hear about how negative he can be on set and how he really treats people like shit. But he gets a product done, and he can't pe- treat people as shitty as it's claimed. That Lloyd has always had a standing, great working He's just reputation. a man without patience. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think he, he abuses anyone. He has always taken the underdog, and it's always been... Look, I'll give you $20,000 for your movie and that's it. You know, well, 20,000 is a lot for Lloyd Kaufman. I'll give you $8,000 for your movie and I'm going to release it and he's he's allowed thousands of independent filmmakers that otherwise would not have been given the time of day from a label. The time of day, he's allowed people's art to grow and change and move and fluctuate as artists. And he's always been incredibly supportive of the arts in general, not just horror. Lloyd Kaufman, beyond all the the character that he portrays and that he is, I think he is a, a courageous artist. I think he's somebody that should always be remembered that way. You know, it's not like he's fucking dead, but I think it's it's more than Uncle Lloyd and this creepy character. And, and movies like this kind of are, are proof in the pudding that it wasn't so much taking a chance because they're going to make a couple bucks off it regardless, but who would have even, with a name like Surf Nazis, picked up a movie that had such an invocative title about a bunch of fucking white pride neo-Nazi Malibu kids wreaking havoc on the beaches? Only Lloyd Kaufman would let a movie like this have the time of day. Uh, maybe... Roger Corman. Maybe Roger Corman.
1: I don't see I think Roger would think it was in poor taste. I don't see it like yeah, coming out in yeah. New World Pictures at that time. It's it plus it was just a like probably a little on the cheap side. But one of the things that is a big standout is the soundtrack. The soundtrack, I mean it's all like, you know, heavy synth for the most part. But that soundtrack is the driving force as well as the uh, editing in the film to keeping like progress happening, keeping you interested, keeping you engaged in the, in the product. And like, it's really when like a lot of those, like, I don't know, synth riffs. I don't know what the hell you'd call them where the Dun, 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 play the song. Dun, 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 like that really like gets you going, but it also has times where the music can seem very like mournful. It really honestly reminds me a lot of like early Van Damme movie. Uh, soundtracks like blood sport especially in, like in the the more quiet moments where it's just like these like little piano things um you know not, not like heavy like drum machine tracks it it sounds like an old school late 80s early 90s van damme movie i always equate those like those auditory noises to that which is weird but whatever this is who i am get used to it
2: yep get used to it Yeah, surf Nazis must die. I I don't know. I don't have anything to add to the soundtrack, unfortunately, because he kind of nailed it all there. It's excellent.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of the high points of the movie for me. I, I... well, it, it's the pace. It it really does set the pace for the film, and the film does have its its moments where it gets quiet and people can have dialogue. But it's just it's almost like um how a musical goes because it's just pumping the entire time, and there's crescendos and there's quieter moments and the whole thing plays out like that. It's, it's never like dull in any of its moments. Yeah. That's, that's one thing, but you
2: can't accuse this movie of being is boring, dull, anything it, it, from the very first scene, the first scene is Adolf on the beach with all these young Aryan Child, what what was it, Hitler Youth? The Hitler Youth of Surf Nazis is all on the beach. Which,
1: the, they use that footage quite a lot in the film, too. They cut back to it two or three times. <laughs> Make the most of your footage, folks. Goofy footing is wrong. Only
2: real surfers lead with the left foot. Surfers rule. Surf Nazis rule the beach. But it sets the fucking tone, and you 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 watch this first scene and it feels ludicrous. It's like, what am I about to get into? what what is this movie? And it keeps with that exact same ludicrousosity as I'm going to call it. <laughs> That's the word I'm gonna use ludicrousosity it follows with that the entire time it never ends and you i i swear you just don't expect the end of the movie you know something's going on with mama and you know she's going to get revenge for leroy but the last scene is just like a a giant beautiful cherry on top of this weird sunday of i was gonna say a sunday of filth but really surf nazis must die isn't it there's a little bit of a titty sucking scene but there's not a lot of filth beyond that.
1: No, no, not too much. But, like, as you were saying, the last scene of the film with Mama, she's been so bummed, even before her son dies. Like, she's just been bummed that she's come to the end of her life, and she's just depressed the entire time. And, like, when she goes hunting Nazis is the only time we, like, really see her happy in the entire film. And she's, like, absolutely joyful and just laughing her ass off and just loving hunting these little fucking suburban pricks down it's it's fucking kind of like hilarious and also like the end of the movie is weird to me because okay she throws the grenade in the bunker takes a couple of nazis out with just that one act she steals the motorcycle they take the van to get the motorcycle. She pulls out her gun at the nursing home. They get on the motorcycle. It's just this like weird back and forth chase, uh, which is probably a financial thing again. Like th- this is kind of a theme running through the movie. Is well, I mean, we could have done more here, here, and here, but no money, and that's just kind of weird to me how the, the like the chase scenes go. We're gonna go from this one location to this other one and then back to the original location. There's your chase. It's just kind of funny we're just gonna switch vehicles it's weird how the steam kind of runs out at the end of the movie
2: and it, it does feel a little directionless of like we just got to come up with an ending here so let's waste everyone and there's a handful of speeches speech scenes more or less where everyone's put together and there's some statement adolf makes or someone else makes some other statement and then they go through the beach massacre and they waste all the other gangs and then it just kind of jumps to the end Right there, it's all organically entertaining, and it's all connected, but just not very. And it's not like it's a piss point. Like I guess we had to say something fucking negative about the movie at this point. It is at the end where it gets it jumps, but there. I'm 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 agreeing completely with you because with there's a bigger budget, sure we could have had different scenes, but when you get to that point after the gang massacre, really all that there is left to do is kill them because you've almost enjoyed yourself. You've had fun at this massacre scene, so you've been watching the Nazis kill everyone else and you can't enjoy that you cannot think anything they do is good or fun so you abruptly have to change the direction and have mama washington fucking kill everyone because you enjoyed it a little too much so it it's it's like a yin and yang of violence one one act of violence has to clean up the other act of violence but i like it you know and it's it's there's it, you're allowed to have flaws that, you know it's not oh, like yeah. we're trying to like nitpick it and just making a joke like, oh, we had to say something bad about the movie in all legitimacy, sure, this is a flawed film, but what direction would you have wanted us to talk about it of just like going from the beginning of the movie and this is what happens in scene one, actually like it's not that we broke it down or did anything special here, but assessing surf Nazis for more than just an exploitation film more than a trauma film i I think opens up a new way to almost interpret and enjoy the film that you don't just have to get off on the violence. And as we've, we've been bringing up, there's really, there's not a lot until the the end here. So disconnected or not, I'll take
1: it. Well, I think like this, I'm going to go in a weird direction here. If you just follow my lead, but it's when like mama gets involved, she's mostly off screen. And she like, at the, in the last 15 minutes, she said, Oh, I've been watching you. I've been, um, I have like I burned your surfboards. Well, we don't see her interact with them particularly at the end until she like starts blowing them up, and she has like maybe ten minutes of screen time. Wouldn't it have been maybe a little bit more interesting to have her throughout the film a little bit more. She, like just get some B-roll of her like with some binoculars across the street. Just like keep her presence known throughout the film. But as I think about it though, it's kind of structured. A lot like I Spit on Your Grave, because I mean it's not a rape revenge film of that genre, but it's similar like theme of a transgression that, you know, now someone needs to take revenge. But I spit on your grave also focuses more on the antagonist than it does the protagonist. And she just comes in at the end of I Spit on Your Grave and just kind of like and Real quick fashion wipes them out in about a twenty minute period. I mean, it's a little slower than *Surf Nights is, but must die. But still, it's this kind of the same thing of like where we're not like particularly getting too much into the characters like dealing with the incident, their grief, their mourning, and how they get out of it. No, they go into that mourning, and then now it's time for the revenge. There's just I don't know. It's just it's kind of a, it's a weird vibe. It's not so much like a you'd think this would be more in, in akin to um, like something like Death Wish, like the, those type of revenge pictures where it's all about the protagonist. But this one favors more like a rape revenge thing where it's all like Savage Streets where it becomes more about the antagonist than it does about the actual protagonist who gets the revenge. But I think that might have something to do with just in certain types of exploitation films, it's easier to focus on the villains because those characters are more dynamic. They're more interesting. And when you have the avatar of the person getting revenge, that's kind of like the audience. And it's just kind of easier to follow the villains to build up that hate. So you can get that final release at the end of the revenge. And with mom, I think, especially with the actress they picked, um, it really, it pushes it. I mean, again, budgetary, but, with her performance, I think it earns its ending. It's like okay, that's uh, like more than adequate ending. It, it didn't let me down, even though it could have been a little bit more bolsters, a little bit more, you know, explosive. But her performance is explosive enough for the ending. Gail Neely as Eleanor, Mama Washington. Yeah. The only other thing I know she was in was like the Naked Gun, maybe two and a half. She yep. played like. Yeah. Um, Mandela's wife. <laughs>
2: and she also this this I think she was in a made for TV movie also, but she is in Earth Girls Are Easy. And that's ah. all I think those are the only things that she did career wise. There there is a little bit of like Charlie Bronson exposition with her because she has these card games with her old friends. And one of them mentions in one scene how she got robbed at the beach. And after Leroy is killed, there's an incident with Smag where she gets the purse back or something. I don't remember. The date. She didn't get the purse back, but it's the same old friend that comes back in. So you kind of are getting this feeling that she's avenging much more, that she's going through all of her friends who have had their purses robbed. And that's kind of funny, though, because... Leroy is an actual victim. Leroy is killed by the Nazis, and they have some very harsh things to say about it, and they pretty much say, who's going to care about this one person? They don't say it that way, but they say it's one person. Previous to this, it seems like they they rob old ladies of their purses. They're just uh, a minor menace, and their violence hasn't broken out so it, it, it to me makes it even funnier that these these nazis these aryans the master race of of the surfers they aren't really it's all arbitrary they're not really causing a great deal of damage and i could be wrong here i'm just assessing it from the dialogue in the film of a lot you know the the mama washington's friend does her personal and yada 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 they didn't really escalate until leroy and that was the final straw
1: well, they also seem a little bit um, hesitant to get involved in violence. They, like, threaten. They like to, you know, suck their own fucking dicks about how tough they are. But when it gets that like, Hook, oh, man, that Hook made a— or was it Brutus who says that Hook made a real mess? Um, like, they, they don't really have a stomach for the violence once they start really getting involved in it until they do, like, you know— break that cherry, for lack of a better term, and then they start to kind of revel in the violence a little bit more when they start killing the gangs and they start celebrating. They're not as, like, mournful for uh, the the acts that they've done. Yeah, it really seems like Leroy was the peak for that. that,
2: that Adolf was ready. He was ready to commit violence and see what his followers were doing. we follow Mengele throughout the film where he's kind of dealing with the Nazi youth characters and you guys need new t-shirts and they, they pass on information that it's more of a, a click, a collective of these fucking dork Nazi losers that are adorning themselves with swastikas in this post-apocalypse earthquake, California. And uh, you, you spoke about this way earlier. Definitely with money, other scenes could have been interjected and just playing make-believe here for a second. There would have been a lot of magic being able to show the inner workings or at least a little bit more intricacy of the other gangs and, of course, some different costuming for them to really let them stand out because everyone's wearing wetsuits and you've either got wrong facing swastikas or like tie dye. The Chinese Asian gang is they're just Asian, so they got a bunch of Asian actors. So that's you know you can tell the difference between all these clips. They're the samurai the surfers. surfers and, and you have the pipe liners,
1: the designer waves. Oh man, generic, but <laughs>
2: and like too, you know you're you're obviously playing in used territory here you really have a vibe like the warriors and it's 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 more lampooning it than anything else but i i honestly would kind of rather sit down and watch surf nazis must die than the warriors though if i had the option like which one do you want to watch i'm going to go with surf nazis i think i'm going to have a lot more fun And enjoy. I mean, The Warriors is a great fucking movie. Don't get me wrong.
1: But Surf Nazis is a lot more kinetic. Uh, like The Warriors has a lot of downtime in that movie, and I would definitely rather watch Surf Nazis than the like the two thousands Walter Hill cut of The Warriors with all (laughs) the uh, weird fucking Roman uh, animation thrown in and shit. Just like, what did you do to this? film like just just give me the original don't give me this like you know update george lucas nonsense that you've done i love the warriors but i find
2: a lot of the movies just james ramar riding the train man and they do ride that subway they move around and
1: that's i mean it's part of the movie i get it it's fine i love the Warriors. it's character but... development but it's just as far as like a like a barn burner you're gonna get more of a reaction oh, from yeah, surf yeah. nazis than you are from the warriors because the warriors is a little bit as ridiculous as it sounds it's a little bit more thoughtful um it's a little bit like more dramatic and yeah it's a like a better made film overall but surf nazis is i mean it's got it's got the comedic level it's got the violence it's got um some cool design stuff some good editing so but again it's like i was saying earlier it's it's the sleepover movie it's the one you want to show your friends the warriors is something i will suggest to some buddy. I'm not going to sit down and force them to watch it. I might try to force them to watch Surf Nazis. I actually did it a couple of months ago, and he was like, why you have been holding out on me? You should have shown me this years ago.
2: Yeah, I guess if you really want to have an ultimate marathon night, you could do something like Surf Nazis Must Die, Deadbeat at Dawn, Street Trash, and then end it with a very thoughtful, well-made warriors. Um, I mean, that one doesn't fit as well as the others, but a triple feature of this film, Surf Nazis Must Die Deadbeat at Dawn and Street Trash, which I guess Street Trash 2 is filming. They're filming oh, in, 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 I think, Cape Town, Africa? I have no idea. I saw <laughs> okay. um, the official Street Trash page is run by Deep Red writer, the new Deep Red, Jamie Shimino, great guy, um, the... Diehard, the biggest Street Trash fan of all time. Really, really great person. And he posted on Facebook, you can check it out for yourself, I think it's called um, Street Trash Archives. It's not Think, it is. It's called Street Trash Archives. They've posted a photo of some really big camera rigs and they're doing some principal photography or something for a Street Trash sequel. I don't know what if Roy Frumkes is involved or what's going on, but yeah, fucking... 30-some years later, we're, we're getting a street trash too. what I would want to bring him up one more time. If we could do a movie 30 years later, my God, Deadbeat at Dawn 2, come on. Oh, and Jim Van Beber plays his character's son, even though Jim's like 70. He, he's still, a, oh, and it would be so good. It would just be so great. Yeah, he has to. That's He has to play his character's son. That's such a weird <laughs> fucking idea, my friend. Yeah. I, I bet if I proposed it, if he would ever fucking unblock me one day, I'm not gonna do it on this episode. We gotta let it linger for a while. Uh, by the end of summer break, I will tell. <laughs> my, I'll tell the Jim Van Beber story. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's such a good one too. Oh, uh, okay back to surf nazis
2: <laughs> i don't know we how how many backs to surf nazis there's going to be i know is this <laughs> this like the third like, one this
1: episode has been
2: chaos well it's summer break i mean it's it, somebody said to me a couple it's months. it's looser well not not even so much that too i mean yeah definitely looser but somebody said to me a couple months ago of like man uh it, it's just the the energy from the live shows is so different than how it is now and of course you know 10 years ago we were we were much younger and in different positions and we reviewed and discussed movies much differently but really the the pacing of the show is it was live and we we were forced to there was no such thing as dead air you can't be quiet we were running a live show so we just had to keep throwing shit at each other till something stuck to the wall <laughs> and then oh, we we God. could run with it
1: I and mean, that's and that's got kinda... weird a lot
2: And of course, you know, there's tons of over-talking and things like that, but what I, especially with these summer break episodes, I'm trying to minimalize the editing, get it to a nice flow like the old live shows. And, you know, it's not that we couldn't cover a movie like Surf Nazis Must Die on on the regular Death by DVD, but I don't think we would have had as much fun with it as we are to just, you know, it's not that we have to censor ourselves, but the product isn't one that you can sell easily and you couldn't even name the episode because you can't say the word Nazi on the internet without getting banned from Facebook or Twitter or threads. So, you know,
1: so surf Nazis, <laughs> they must die. Um, I because doing my research today. Um, I got taken, uh, back to the past when I rented this film, for the first time. And there was an ad at the beginning and the end, just like uh, the original Hellraiser rental tapes for selling T-shirts, Surf Nazi (laughs) T-shirts. And it was just like, oh, shit, I completely forgot they did this promotion uh, on the videotape, because I rented it. I can't remember what I rented. Like, if it was Class of Nukem High, maybe. There was a trailer for Surf Nazis on it, and the trailer just cracked me up. And a lot of it has to do with just selecting the... Like you do a trailer, selecting the best scenes, but so many of the scenes um, that are in the trailer involved the mama character. And that's what I was uh, paying to see. And when I rented it, I was like actually disappointed because A, I thought it was going to be way more comedic and it's like kind of a dead serious movie in a lot of ways. Um, But B, it was just like, oh, I thought she was going to be like, you know, there and fun the entire time. Nah, she's barely in it. It's mostly just about surf Nazis and just kind of what pricks they are. But I've learned to just, like, appreciate and, like, love the movie more and more as the years go by. And it just has, like, gone up in value to me where it's just, like, it's just always solid. It's always a solid watch. And I don't really get bored of it that much.
2: Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I watched it last night and then I, I threw it on again today just for the hell of it. And there's there's zero boredom. There's constant enjoyment. And one thing I really love is, is the, 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 the title of the movie, Tells the Story, Surf Nazis. They must die. And that's ex- And they do. Yeah, it's exactly what happens. It it foretells and delivers. And that's fucking important. The movie delivers and it delivers on multiple levels. You get your fix as an exploitation fan. But as I brought up at the beginning of the show, it's kind of be oh, kind of. It's certainly remarkable how poignant and and more I think more important now. This movie than it was 30 years ago. It it makes more sense. It's it's really the the rich white middle fucking class people that are the zig hailing asshole people. I mean, I hate quoting Rage Against the Machine, but come on, some of those workforces they're the one, same ones that bring crosses.
1: It's not, well, and it's not just that. There's a whole lot of like resentment towards the way of the world, like. Uh, if you are willing to get deep into it of just like when equality actually starts getting equal and they start getting pissy about be, basically being edgy, being this edgy kid and people getting onto you for being edgy. Like, yeah, you, you shouldn't say that to people and blah, blah, blah. And when you're at that age, when you're in your late teens and you're through your twenties and stuff, you're just, you've got this whole fucking attitude of don't tell me what to do. And that's what leads a lot of people down dark paths because I'm all about personal power and they all become like Nazis or libertarians or some other dipshit fucking the whole like the world is your stepdad and you're mad about it. I understand. Yeah. It's just Whatever. like yeah, like I just like it's kind of the punk thing where like bring up rage against the machine. Like whoa, what you rage for the machine now? I'm against all these things. Well, no, you're here's not. the the difference when things start going in my favor I like them the things that I've been yelling at for years are like more currying to my favor and you're on the way out you're just a contrarian so what you were a punk rocker back then and like now well, I'm still really punk but you're not you're just Contrarian no. to whatever's yeah. popular You didn't actually care about the issues You just cared about your own Defiance of authority It was never about like what was right or wrong Or good or not good Well I'm
2: going to make a bold statement And this isn't just a personal opinion It's fucking truth You You were never punk You can't be punk and and never will be if you're fucking right wing. I'm sorry. You there are no such things as conservative punks. Michael Grave, you tried real fucking hard, but you you are nothing. You are not a fucking punk rocker. I, I'm just I'm sorry, D. No, Boone. No, you're just anti-Mom and Dad. Yeah. D Boone didn't die for you to fucking say that you're a punk rocker. Not and and two, you are not a proud American if you are a fucking Nazi. I'm sorry if, if you're a boogaloo boy or whatever this fucking dumb shit is, a proud boy, you're not a proud American. You you are you are so against <laughs> being what a proud American should be. It's a fucking laughing stock. The world laughs at you, and it's such a pity. I mean, I never thought we would live in a world where the fucking guys from Surf Nazis Must Die are real people. I mean, Adolf is a real guy these days. It's fucking it's it's crazy and they call themselves shamans and they wear makeup and get ups and now they're serving 20-year fucking sentences. So I mean, the justice I guess somewhat is served in this skewed But well, you have to understand but...
1: he felt real important there for a while. And that's the most that's that's the important thing is just like feeling like you matter and you're the master of your own destiny.
2: Well, Whatever, long story I short,
1: shit. you weren't fucking punk, and you never were.
2: Fuck you, Michael Graves. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Okay, well that's direct. Well, he
1: is a fucking proud boy. So, uh, he, yeah, I mean, it's my least, um, least uh, interesting era of the Misfits for me. Not a fan of the Michael Graves era. never have been. Yeah. and it wasn't particularly him. I just I thought they kind of sucked. It was back then. it was more rock and roll than it was punk, and that's not a
2: problem. But the Misfits are are short and choppy and power chord driven, heavy distortion on bass. There there's very fast, uh, sexy punk rock mentality to it. The Graves era was rock and roll. I this is an unpopular opinion. I actually saw a handful of shows when it was just Jerry only and Robo was in the band. On a oh Disney. yeah,
1: I saw the same one. Jerry only. Des from yep. Black Flag and Robo. Robo and a Ramon. They uh, would switch drummers halfway yeah. through and they would do Black Flag, Ramones, and Misfits songs. It was a weird era of the Misfits. I never got to see him with Marky, but I saw
2: him with Des and Robo where they would split the shows together. And and I'll give some credit. Uh, Jerry only put on some great shows. I saw him four or five times with Des and Robo and really, really enjoyed every time. Um, obviously. If you if you look at, at at the Patreon here, we're not making a whole deal, a hell of a lot of money. I've not been able to afford going to see the the revived Misfits, but I really I don't I I, I don't mean this in like I'm a too school too cool for school way, but I, I don't know like seventy year old Glenn Danzig hanging. I don't know I don't I I I'm good yeah I'm good with it whatever. Uncover some cool concert footage from 1982.
1: Yeah, I'll buy. <laughs> I'll buy the Blu-ray. Like I had not been to a concert in probably 15, 16 years. Yeah. I just kind of got out of it. I've seen a shit ton of bands. That's all I did from the time I was like 15 until the time I was like 28. I still
2: enjoy going to shows, but I, I will say this is a good sentiment for the audience. I've not been to a, a show since 2019 uh, um, I'm I'm a big believer. I'm not a denier of of the lethality to use a word that might not be real of COVID nineteen. So I actually try not to catch it, spread it, make it worse for other people. And I've not felt like it's it's safe to go into a super enclosed tight area at a punk club for a few hours. My last concert was the Melvins in two thousand and nineteen. Follow or before that it was the Rolling Stones. So at least the last two shows I saw were, were pretty good. Pretty uh, Melvins and Red Cross none the fucking less great great bands
1: oh it's been a while since i like since those epic fucking concerts i've seen a few epic concerts but like the last probably handful i went to were just like uh i think i'm kind of done with this (laughs) well as i alexander nash is done with concerts
2: i think we might have I think we've expelled
1: surf Nazis. we talked the (laughs) shit out of it. we picked it with an inch of its life. It's just bones
2: now. We knew it would be a fun show, and I, I hope you out there in Patreon land have enjoyed this. Summer school will be continuing all through July, all through August, even September. Technically, summer doesn't end until September 20th. We might go a little bit longer than that, but we have some... Awesome movies planned. We, we were just going to do some silly stuff like summer school and summer rental. But before the program, before the program, before we started recording this program, Nash had brought up a great idea. It might be the next one. Uh, Point Break has now been added to the schedule. The original Point Break. We got some Swayze crazy action. That's going to be fun. Uh,
1: spoiler alert. You're probably all going to hate me. <laughs>
2: it's going to be a divisive show. It's going to be different. Well, but that that's what these people are paying for. You out there in Patreon land, you're watching Death by DVD, shot and stunning 666K Death o Vision. I appreciate you deeply. I mean, you you are letting us survive and continue while we take some time off to record new episodes and it's really important. I'm glad that we're getting a little feedback here. People enjoyed our 14th Boyth Day episode where we did weekend at Bernie's and we're going to try and keep that steam rolling. All summer long. I haven't burped once this episode. There we go. It was cursed otherwise. Yeah, there's the summer break burp. We've got the cooler. We're smoking some drugs. We're we're having fun. I hope you're having a good summer. That's an important thing, everyone out there. And I always I, I love saying radio land, but I guess it's video land now. We can't use the Chop Top clip. But yeah, this is this has been, I think, a solid episode. <laughs> the the important fact is that your hosts are having fun. Because otherwise... That's all the
1: fuck I care about. <laughs> I don't care about it if you listen otherwise. Gonna get some real negative
2: content if we're not having fun. But yeah, you have been watching Death by DVD's summer break where we did Surf Nazis Must Die. I keep saying it like Christopher Walken. Surf Nazis must die. I'm putting the emphasis on the wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I don't know why, but... The ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. Join us next time for, I don't know, I think it's going to be point break. Yeah, Gary Busey. That's it, Gary Busey. That's the end. Get out of my dreams and also out of my car.
3: A guide to your restraining order. Hi, I'm Gary Busey. (laughs) I'm here to explain about restraining orders the answers to all your questions are in this video so you've got a restraining order meet joe last name spaghettio one night joe went to a party and fell in love with a girl named mary oh man i've been there at first joe felt discouraged but then he remembered what his father taught him never say die quitters never prosper and no means yes (laughs) The next day, Mary got a restraining order against Joe. (laughs) Now Joe can't come within 500 feet of Mary. He also can't call her or burn his name in gas on her lawn. I'm going to let you in on a little secret joe is me and mary is a composite of 12 different women and a small independent film company all of whom couldn't deal with me because i'm too real you have been listening to a death by dvd patreon exclusive summer break episode
0: hang loose Thank you for choosing death.
3: Death forever. Forever death. Until next time, goodbye.
2: Well, that's the end of this one. Thank you for choosing death and listening to this episode. If you liked it, and you want more, please head over to www.patreon.com slash deathbydvd and join us in the graveyard. Uncut episodes, video episodes, early access to episodes, and much, much more available exclusively on Patreon. You've got our Summer Break series, our Exorcist series, unreleased episodes, exclusive episodes, video episodes, and more coming soon, all for just $4 a month. Support the future of Death by DVD and join us in the Graveyard today. For a limited time, you can join our Patreon for free. On a seven-day free trial and explore, our Gravedigger tier offer available only from November 10th, 2023 to November 17th, 2023. That's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for choosing Death. And remember, it's www.patreon.com slash deathbydvd or you can visit our official website, www.deathbydvd.com and you can click the page that says Patreon and learn more. Until next time, be pleasant.
3: Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience.
1: the
0: management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced.
2: This is how...